What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s, Ja Morant's, Joe Johnson's, Ja Raff's, of course. We've got Jays, we got him for days. I am on the mi- right microphone today. It is, we are moving at 8 o'clock on a Thursday. Josh, how are you? Did you see Jalen Pickett's stat line last night? We just need to take a minute to appreciate it. Well, now I got to go see. Okay. It's not what you think. Oh, is, it, is it the opposite? Is it the other direction? Not necessarily. It's like 9, 9, and 9, something like that. Pretty close. <laughs> Let me see. Here we go. Mr. Pickett. 7, 11, and 6. Yeah, I, I was kind of in the ballpark. Yeah, 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 you had the idea. That's a very Draymond Green style line. It, that's honestly, watching that game, that is exactly what I was thinking of. Because, of course, I'm now locked into Jalen Pickett making the NCAA tournament, right? Mm-hmm. This is a thing that needs to happen. And Road win at Northwestern helps. Yeah. Ruined senior night. Had a shot to win it at the end of regulation. Missed, but they got the shot at the end of overtime to win it. And it's not just that he had 11 assists. It's that those 11 assists were earned. Because you and I talk about this, not so much on the podcast, but this idea that it's easy to generate assists when you have the ball in your hand all the time, right? Yes. Don't that talk to me what, about how good of a passer Russell Westbrook is. He's just right. the ball all the time. Right. That was not this at all. Those assists came from Jalen Pickett forcing the defense to do things and then passing the ball to open guys. One of one of them was one of the best passes I've ever seen. He just mm. kind of with his right hand, I mean, I guess he had two hands on the ball, but he shoveled it from the post out to the three-point line. I think it was Andrew Funk. Maybe it wasn't. One of the three-point shooters. It was flawless. Not only did he get it there, he put it right on his hands. It was gorgeous. This was one of the better passing performances I've ever seen. So I wanted to give him a shout out because it was beautiful. I got two things. <laughs> one, I I heard someone describe KJ Adams on a podcast yes, podcast yesterday as a small ball five, which is accurate. And also, he it was just in the context of I, the Warriors should go and get KJ Adams. Because he's probably the closest thing to, like, at least a young guy. The closest Mm -hmm. thing, you know, like, he's probably the guy coming out of college right now that can most likely be, like, a P.J. Tucker, you know, like, or a a Draymond Green kind of hybrid between those two guys, right? Of course, anyone expecting Draymond to be, anybody expecting a prospect to be Draymond is, is silly. Right. But I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, Right. In terms of being able to, to guard a little bit smaller, but also not get you punished for being smaller because right. he plays bigger than he is. He can guard the bigger guys. Yeah, no, I see that. Definitely. And be a part of that, you know, switching everything right. kind of lineup right. that the Warriors would love to do in perpetuity. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that I just love guys that are that are both given the opportunity to be playmakers and that are really good passers at the college level. Like it doesn't it doesn't always happen that those things are both that you get to do both of the, like Brandon Miller, for example, like that guy's probably a better playmaker for others than we probably realize at this mm-hmm. point, just because he's asked to score at Alabama. Mm-hmm. He's not asked to do other things. And when you get to the NBA level, you kind of just have to play make at every position. It's just kind of part of the shtick mm-hmm. in a way that it isn't in college. And so that to, that to say that Jalen Pickett, I'm I'm all in on his eleven to one assist to turnover <laughs> ratio at Northwestern. I'm all I'm all in on that for sure. 
It's worth watching the highlights. He was spectacular. We might have to. Might have to. It was a good basketball night last night. It was. You had a good, and some uh, strange things happened too. Yeah, some some things <laughs> were happening, as we said on the Twitter account. Um, some good Big East games. A good uh, a good basketball version of the Iron Bowl. TCU. Okay, can we talk about this? You can't storm the court when you beat the number nine team in the country. You can't. You just can't. Especially when you're TCU. Yeah, you you just can't. And I mean that as a compliment, not a criticism. Yeah, you just can't. And and I hate court storming. A team that you prevented from even having a chance of winning a share of a conference title. Yeah, uh, that's when you and I are on the same page with this. There are moments that call for it. That is that is not one of them. And TCU should expect to win every home game they play. I think. I think in general, I'm fine with you. If you beat the number one team in the country, I get it. But also, like, like if I walked up to a TCU fan tomorrow today who was excited about the court storm, you also have to admit that you just that Texas is just a a superior basketball program to you. You just have to right. admit that mm-hmm. because that's the com- message you're communicating. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Lots going on this weekend. Very important weekend as per usual. Last full college basketball regular season weekend before conference tournaments really get kick into gear. At the beginning of the next week, middle of the week, you know, Wednesday is just kind of those first round conference tournament uh, action for some of those power conferences. Monday will be the big brouhaha about the conference tournaments. But we kind of need to set up what's gonna, what's happening this weekend, what's at stake this weekend, and so we're kind of we're gonna run through the Power Six conferences, the the major six conferences, whatever words you want to use. There's this thing going on at the PGA Tour right now where no one knows if it's the elevated or designated events, <laughs> and it's 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 designated like that's that's the the official term for it. Mm-hmm. But elevated events just kind of rolls off the tongue better, so everybody calls it elevated events, but it's actually di- – anyways. It's all the same thing. High major, power six, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same. Um, so we're going to go through all six conferences, talk, just kind of set up what's going on this weekend, what's at stake, whether that be in the race for a regular season conference title, whether that be involved in the bubble, just kind of set up what's going to happen over the next – Four days or so before we get into it, just a general thought. I love, I love it when a conference puts like every team is playing their last game in the same like you know eight hour period on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's not quite you know all Premier League final games start at the exact same time so that we get all the outcomes at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. But it's about as close as you're going to get with college basketball, and and it, and it doesn't matter as much because. Everybody's trying to win. There's no right. benefit to tying. That's the right. whole. That's why you have to play at the same time. Is that a draw could benefit both teams, right. and so they wouldn't play. So, right. yeah, same idea though. Absolutely. Um, like the Big Ten hasn't split up. The Big Ten is playing half of their <laughs> final game on Saturday and half on Sunday. But like all 14 SEC teams are playing on Saturday. All 10 Big 12 teams are playing on Saturday. Um, I think maybe all all like 14, 15 ACC teams are as well. I think if the I'm... Big Ten's the only one that's not. Anyways, I love it. It's jam-packed. Um, and I'm I, I'm looking forward to it, especially with the conference like the ACC, which we'll get into here <laughs> in a matter of seconds, where there can be 
there can be a couple different things happen. It, it's not quite as fun because Pitt and, and Miami are playing each other. But mm-hmm. anyways, so let's just hop into it. I'm kind of I've, I'm kind of hinting at it right now. But let's start with the ACC and start with the three way tie atop the conference. Pitt, Miami, and Virginia all sitting at fourteen and five, entering the weekend. Virginia, like unless something ro- like that would be the the most incredible thing to happen this weekend if Louisville goes into John Paul Jones Arena and beats Virginia. Virginia is about as close to guaranteeing themselves a sh- at least a share. Well, guaranteeing themselves a share, mm-hmm. right? The yep. the only way we can get an outright winner is if Virginia loses to Louisville at home. Otherwise, we're going to get a share of the ACC regular season title because Pitt and Miami, the other two teams atop the conference, play each other. So, Josh, this is not soccer. <laughs> there will be a winner of that basketball game, and one of them will get at least a share of the ACC regular season title. Yeah, and Pitt goes from being in control to now having to win against a ranked opponent on the road to get a share of the regular season title because of the Mike Bray goodbye situation. Okay, is he retiring or not? Because Goodman, like a month ago, said, I talked to Bray, he doesn't want to retire. I don't think he's... I was wondering this exact same thing. I don't. My understanding is I don't think he's retiring, but he is leaving Notre Dame. That was his last home game. Oh, okay. I think it was just kind of assumed he was leaving and retiring, and he said, no, not so fast. Oh, okay. I think. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you for the clarification. Don't don't quote me on that, but that's my understanding. That's the, the assumption I'm operating under. Okay. So – yeah, that that happened to Pitt. And so you lose the game, you can't really afford to lose. So now you got to go win at Miami to just get a share mm-hmm. unless right, Virginia somehow loses to Louisville. And this I mean, you know, this is this is what you want. It's just a weird situation because you have one team that's going to end up with 15 wins at 15 and 5 mm-hmm. and you have Virginia playing Louisville. There just isn't a lot of some of these other conferences, they're all, especially lower down, they're all these permutations about, you know, okay, if this series of results happens, then it pans out this way in terms of the, you know, the siege for the conference tournament and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the ACC is just cut and dry. Unless something terrible happens, Virginia's getting a share and the team they're sharing it with is whoever wins Pitt at Miami. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. The, the the more interesting conversations kind of come, well, Three-way tie atop is is plenty interesting. Let me rephrase. There's more interesting things happening at at and around the bubble. Um, right, North Carolina beat Florida State on the road. Kind of their, you know, kind of a don't look too far ahead to Duke on Saturday at Ch- in Chapel Hill. You got to beat Florida State because you're making your lives much more difficult in the ACC tournament. If you lose to Florida state, they did not. I think 77 66 was the final score of that game setting up a, a game against, if nothing else, a tournament team. I'm not, you know, that would certainly help the resume beating Duke at home. It's not exactly the bump that it normally would be. I think Duke is a seven, you know, the six, seven seed is kind of where you see Duke in most, um, in most brackets right now, I think seven seed is kind of the 
the the prevailing favorite there. So it's not not the overwhelming needle mover it might usually be, but still one that would be very helpful, and at the very least, not one that wasn't being canceled out by a potential loss at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Right, you've you've got the opportunity to finish this thing pretty strong and put yourself in a really good position heading into the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. You also got to beat Duke to do it, <laughs> or else it's a little bit of a different conversation because you can't then. I mean, I would think you've got to probably at least win one game to feel safe. Then, right? If you lose this one, you would think at least depending, and of course, right? It all depends on how the other bubble teams perform in their regular season finales, conference tournaments, all that. But mm-hmm. yeah, you've got. Obviously, that game is always a headliner, no matter what the circumstances. And yes, it's not, you know, one versus two or two versus five or something this season, but it's a good Duke team that's head to the NCAA tournament with a first year head coach versus a bubble team. So there's, you've got that going for it. And then also, you know, Clemson's, <laughs> Clemson's at home against Notre Dame. Got to win that one if you're Clemson. Mm-hmm. Can Notre Dame really start just, being the spoilers on Mike Bray's way out and just cause all kinds of headaches for people here in the last week. So yeah, those are your two kind of the two bubble games I was looking at. Yeah, definitely. That was the other one I had circled on my, on my calendar as well as Clemson against a Notre Dame team. That is bad. First of all, but on the right night, like this is, that's a team that has a lot of offensive firepower right? and a team that is just atrocious defensively. And that's kind of what you've seen all year is a team that is just just so, so bad defensively that it doesn't really matter how effective their offense is. But every once in a while, they're going to strike. They're, they're going to catch fire in a bottle and they're going to put up 88. And despite being three and 16, they're going to beat the 21 and nine and 14 and five. Now 14 and five, 14 and four at the time. Um Pitt Panthers, um, you know, they had lost, what is that? Jeez Louise, Mike Bray. <laughs> they had one win since January 10th, heading into last night's game against Pitt. Um, they're, they're projected to lose by 11 at Clemson. Um, but not often do you see an 11 and 19 team be a top 100 Ken Palm offense. I mean, they're... 256 defensively they are truly they're truly atrocious in that category and easily last in defense in conference play but you've got you know JJ Starling's a former five star Cormac Ryan Dane Goodwin Nate Lazuski there is firepower there and it was it was on display against Pitt so you have to be you have to be careful and that would be such a just a crappy way for this season to kind of meet its maker for Brad Bownell and, and that team mm-hmm. is, uh, is losing to Notre Dame. Cause then at that point you got to do something pretty special in the tournament and the ACC tournament to, to get to March. Yeah. Anything else on the ACC in particular? No. Let's keep it rolling. Let's move on the big East. Marquette has locked up the regular season title. Can we just, um, can we just take a moment to applaud Chaka Smart? Dude. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I'm so locked in on this Marquette team. We kept talking about all oh, there's you know, nobody nobody's gonna separate themselves. This is gonna be really close. It's probably gonna be a three way tie and Marquette said, nah, we got this under. Uh, no, 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 no. That was you saying that Providence was gonna win. I also said that, yeah. But you're right. I definitely I, I thought there was gonna be a tie though. Did not think that we'd be entering the final weekend and Marquette would have it locked up. Yeah. Sixteen and three, man. That is <laughs> 
That is crazy, man. Just moving, absolutely moving. You know, the the Big East is is relatively straightforward as well because we we've locked up the and at least uh, from from my end of things. And please share your thoughts here as I as I wrap up. But Marquette has already locked up the regular season title, and it's kind of one of those conferences that you got five teams that are pretty firmly in the tournament and six teams that are not six teams that are probably just going to need to, I mean, do all six of those teams need to win the, the Big East tournament to get into the, to, to get into March? I, I kind of think the answer might be yes. The only thing I can think of is maybe if Seton Hall gets the right set of wins and makes it to the final, maybe, 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 maybe. Because you know, everybody they, they, else is, has kind of right punted the last. You know, you know, Villanova is actually going in the in the right direction at this point in right. ten and nine in conference, but they struggled so 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 badly early that it just that that's another team that's going to have to do that's probably going to have to win the Big East tournament to to get mm. in. Yeah, there's nobody. I would not feel safe if I was anybody unless I won it for yeah. those those six. Yeah, and you also have Xavier locked into the two seed after winning at Providence Wednesday Mm -hmm. night. So you know who your one is, you know who your two is, right? You know pretty much who your tournament teams are unless something bizarre happens. Seton Hall does go to Providence. So, I mean, maybe if you get that win and then you make the Big East tournament final. The, The other thing I wanted to mention, though, was that we also get UConn at Villanova. And right, does it matter in terms of the bubble? No, no. But you you mentioned this, and I'm right there with you. This is getting real interesting for Villanova. Mm-hmm. Now they can't uh, right. They, this game they can lose. It just doesn't matter. But once they get to MSG, they can't just have a bad day and lose. But if they keep this going, you feel at least optimistic. <laughs> about their chances here's how you feel you feel as good you feel as good about a 16 and 14 10 and 9 and <laughs> right. conference team winning their conference tournament as you ever have correct that's a good way is to it like it. is it likely no but is that team way better than 16 and 4 excuse me 16 and 14 when they were healthy absolutely absolutely and at least you know you're trying to make sure you get yourself into the nit because that's certainly a team that could win an nit right even if you mm-hmm. can't can't get all the way to to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so that that game just can Villanova keep this up? UConn's been playing really well lately. Mm-hmm. Just beat the doors off of DePaul for what that's worth. Mm-hmm. So I am. That was the game that stood out to me because right, we don't have a lot of kind of implications in terms of what these games mean for NCAA tournament, for conference tournament, seeding those kind of things. It's just more how are we feeling about these teams heading into the Big East tournament? Exactly. Exactly. And I think especially if they if they go toe to toe with UConn on Saturday, that is that is a team that that Shaka Smart, that Sean Miller, that they are they are saying do not like if we run into this team early or late, like it doesn't matter when we run into them, they are they are healthy and they're in a really good spot. I mean and Sean Miller is going to say, Listen, these guys just beat us in our building, right? Um <laughs> And we got to come ready because I I just kind of feel like Villanova will. And if you've been sketchy 
you just being anybody, Villanova fans, college basketball people, about Kyle Neptune's era and reign at Villanova. I think the last month or so, a stretch where they're six and one and their their lone loss is a road loss to Providence. That when he's got a healthy basketball team, that that Kyle Neptune knows how to knows how to coach the sport, and that 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 the the Wildcats are going to be just fine. And what's the most important part of this sport? Improvement during the season, well, right? Peaking know, hiding, at the right. Hiding, hiding your team, hiding the players on your teams doing mean things so you can keep winning <laughs> basketball games. I'm oh, sorry, sorry, my bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll the, rub football into that too. <laughs> the yeah, jeez. Oh, mm. The right that that season long improvement, getting your team in the best position by March. Mm-hmm. Right. Doesn't matter what you do in the regular season, as long as you get there. Jim Behind's made a living off of this. You know, Tom Izzo's made a living off of this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've had a lot of success outside of just NCAA tournament runs. But if this is if this is where Kyle Neptune is starting with that, that's a, it's a very good thing to further your point that he clearly knows how to get the kind of how to fix some issues, how to not lose a team when things don't go well for a little bit. And to get things back on track, which is incredibly important in a long season where the stakes aren't all that high for better or worse until March. Definitely. Definitely. So Big East, we got it, we got it wrapped up in the, in the regular season title perspective. And I feel like, you know, Villanova is the most, the most interesting thing going on in the next, you know, three or four days in that conference. All right. The big 10. Purdue sitting atop. There are 11 teams, Josh, in the Big Ten with somewhere between 11 and 8 conference wins. 11. There are 8 teams with 10 or 11. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just rope them all in. And as a result, we got teams on the bubble. We got teams on the bubble here. Um, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan, a Michigan team that that plays tonight. So they're kind of a day behind most of the conference. But still a team that is... A solo second in the Big Ten right now. This is not something I was expecting to see when I looked at the conference standings this morning. But uh, plenty to talk about here. Iowa doing doing themselves favors, making life much more stressful with a just like talk about a team that sometimes just is not going to miss and there's nothing you can do about it. Beating IU. Um, but Wisconsin and Michigan kind of at the center of that bubble conversation. Where do you want to start? Yeah, let's start at the top. Purdue still had two opportunities at Wisconsin and then home against Illinois to round out the season. Yeah, the big thing for me is just it's it's not even worth trying to explain. I mean, I would love to see the amount of permutations that go into trying to explain the seeding mm-hmm. once Thursday's games finish about what happens if all the different results, you know, how they play out on Saturday and Sunday because this is just a <laughs> – there's there's Purdue – there's a bunch of teams that are either better or worse in terms of their conference standings in relation to their NCAA tournament hopes. And then there are the bad teams and that's it. <laughs> and so, yeah, some of the games in particular, I'm, I'm looking at right. Michigan at Illinois, Purdue at Wisconsin on Thursday. And then 
Illinois at Purdue, Michigan at Indiana, Wisconsin at Minnesota, Northwestern at Rutgers, Maryland at Penn State, Nebraska at Iowa are kind of your bubble, bubbly games. You just named like the entire conference. Exactly. That makes me laugh. Right. Because, <laughs> I mean, not all of those teams are squarely on the bubble. Some of them are in better spots than others. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm particularly interested in this Maryland at Penn State game. Penn State just came off of right, a, a good win at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Can you follow that up with a win against Maryland? Because then we're having a different conversation heading into the Big Ten tournament, and you're playing well heading into the Big Ten tournament. You're right back. I mean, they're on the wrong side of the bubble now still, I think. But if you if you beat Maryland and then you win a game or two and just kind of do what you're supposed to, that might be enough. So, you know, some of these other teams are kind of – Michigan's playing – much better recently. They're playing themselves onto the right side of the bubble. Can mm-hmm. they get at least one of these two road games here? You know, Wisconsin's kind of right there on the bubble, but Penn State is kind of the team that can swing this one way or the other for the Big Ten, probably, because there's a world in which they get in without knocking another Big Ten team out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both. They're going to need a really strong finish here. I mean, they were still. The Northwestern win certainly helps, but prior to the Northwestern win, they were we were still next four out. So right. next four out doesn't doesn't probably doesn't get you in just beating just beating Northwestern. So you can parlay it right, like you said, you get another chance again against the top twenty five team in Maryland, and it might be as important as like if you win that game, then you also are trying to situate yourself to the point of not like losing a to a bad team in the first round of the big 10 tournament and giving yourself as few chances to mess up against a team you shouldn't mess up against. Now, granted when you're, what is that ninth in the conference, you're going to play a team that's probably in a relatively similar spot to you are to start. But the faster you can get to those teams that will actually help your resume, the better. Um, Wisconsin and, and Michigan are both going to get chances, as you mentioned, both going to get chances to improve on their resumes, right? Wisconsin gets a home game against Purdue. Michigan gets two chances uh, to boost their resume on the road. They'll, they'll get in Illinois and then at IU. I think it's in that order, too. I think it's IU at the very end of the yes. season. Mm-hmm. Um so those are two tournament teams as well. So those two teams right there kind of squarely in the first four out for last four in conversation, trying to get to Dayton, trying to get out of Dayton, kind of into those, you know, that last round of buys, a chance to strengthen the resume for sure heading into heading into the conference tournament. Yeah. And- it's very big 10 of them to have 11 teams. With eleven to eight conference wins, very Big Ten of them, right? And just no clue who's going to be playing who heading into the Big Ten tournament. Would you say what's more vintage Big Ten at this point? Is it just that humble jumbled mess in the middle, or is it like, or do you, is it still more? Man, I am so amateur podcast hour. It, the The phone dinged at me earlier, and I didn't put it on quiet, and it dinged again. How about that? Um, is it more vintage big because like the Big Twelve being an absolute gauntlet and having really great teams at the top of it is vintage Big Twelve at this point. Mm-hmm. Is it vintage Big Ten to like 
And and I know a lot of people have cooled off on Purdue, and that's probably not entirely fair to Purdue. But there are also people who were never especially hot on Purdue, even when they were the number one team in the country. Is is it just being a gauntlet with no elite teams, the Big Ten's calling card at this point? Yeah, I'm trying to think of – so when was the last Big Ten team you would consider truly elite? Maybe that Michigan team, the COVID year? Yeah. Let's let's take a look back. Okay, so last year, last year there was nobody especially elite. Illinois and Wisconsin shared the regular season title at fifteen and five. I don't, I don't remember. Purdue was never elite, and Iowa was never elite. No, it either. was supposed to be Purdue. Yeah, it was supposed to be Purdue that year, and and it just wasn't. Twenty 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 one. Um, probably like that year, like I would probably, I would consider that, that IO Kofi Coburn that team, team as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably I the mean, third best team in the country. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's it, weird though, because you didn't, they finished two and four in the, in the AP poll that year. The, How did they finish two and four? How did Illinois finish above Gonzaga in the AP poll that year? Must have the been last of, AP, Is the last AP poll the... I think it was, I think it's before the tournament. Yeah, but Gonzaga wouldn't have lost anytime soon. Did they lose their and did they lose in the WCC tournament that year? No, they were undefeated heading into the title game. Right? So it must have been ahead of Baylor. Oh, it's a good point. I'm gonna look. I'm curious now. Yeah, I don't feel like and I guess the other part of it is I because of the, the depth of the Big Ten even though that was clearly a great Illinois team, I just never felt like they were that much better than the conference. Sure. And maybe that's, that's part of it too. Yeah. I guess that would be, that would be the last one. And I feel, Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just, I just kind of like, I'm just not totally. And I guess, like I said, I guess Purdue would be, would be that that elite team because usually there's not this much separation right it's been a lot of shared conference titles gonzaga illinois baylor michigan alabama was the top five in the final the final april that year yeah oh right because baylor lost to oklahoma state Mm -hmm. in the in the big 12 in the big 12 tournament that's right yep all right fine (laughs) i feel like the most vintage big 10 thing is just yeah, the the jumbled mess and the varying NCAA tournament resumes of those teams in said jumbled mess. Where the I Big Twelve, right. you know, right? If you just win enough games, it doesn't matter who you play because they're all good wins. Right. The Big Ten is you know based on your non-conference, based on how your schedule plays out. They're all they're all different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that's. To me, the most vintage Big Ten thing. Yeah, I think you're probably right. All right. Could have 10 teams in the tournament. That could happen. Big 12. Uh, it's truly a shame that all 10 of these teams can't get in the tournament. <laughs> like, true, like all 10 of them, you put them anywhere else in the country, and all 10 of them mm-hmm. have NCAA tournament resumes. Like, yeah. if you just put that that version of that team and let mm-hmm. them play a ACC schedule, all of them not even meant to be a ricochet shot at the ACC. Like Oklahoma would have a tournament resume at any other Right. And Oklahoma may have a, a lopsided win over the potential number one overall seed. Yeah. 
And how about right, that? How about the Worst team in their conference. Easily. Um, all 10 teams should get in. That's not going to be the way it is. We could pro like in the very, there's probably like one out of 100 spins that get you nine in. Yeah. it's probably not going to happen, but you could get nine in, um, death, that death taxes in Kansas, just, you know, putting that out there, but, um, yeah, plenty on the bubble here. Texas tech is kind of in that group of like, if you stretched it to 10 teams on the wrong side of the bubble, that's probably the group that they're in. It's going to take something pretty spectacular in the next couple of weeks, next week to, to get them into the tournament, West Virginia in the field right now. And on the right side, like pretty solidly. in at this point and is going to stay in that position, regardless of what happens this weekend, they get Kansas state. So losing that game, they the winning that game would, would you, you do whatever you want in the big 12 tournament and mm-hmm. still get in. But Losing that game is not is not going to hurt you. Oklahoma State is the is the team kind of squarely on the bubble right now, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on the way you want to you want to look at it. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the worst cut type of game to play on on the the last weekend. To be honest with you, yeah, because it's a Texas Tech team that is good, and you have to play them on the road. Like good, relatively speaking, you got to play them on the road, and they're playing for something. And they're playing for something, but also at the same time with all of those things being true, beating them still doesn't do a ton for you. Mm-hmm. And losing to them like wouldn't wouldn't completely destroy your chances, but also is 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 not a great look either. Um, and not a great thing to have fresh in in the committee's mind. So kind of a tough a tough game to end up with when you really need either a really good win or a win that's not going or a loss that's not going to change your status kind of at all heading into the tournament if you lose it but um nonetheless both Texas Tech and Oklahoma State uh they play each other in Lubbock on Saturday. Yeah, I would argue Oklahoma State just needs a win to stop the bleeding. It doesn't matter who it comes against. Sure. Just just get yourself back into a better state of mind heading into the Big 12 tournament and make sure you just do what you're supposed to cuz they 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 should be fine then. And yeah, I mean, right, Texas Tech went from not being able to beat anybody good to just reeling off quality win after quality win because, uh, as we talk about, when you're one of the worst teams in these conferences, just every team you beat, it's a good win because you're the, the quote-unquote bad win. <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to need – they got work to do, but they are now in the bubble conversation, which is incredible. And we talked about this with Texas, about this end of the season. And this idea that they're probably not just going to win all these games because they're playing Mm -hmm. the best teams in the conference. And so you got to build yourself a cushion heading in. They didn't do that. They kind of just stayed even with Kansas. Kansas got a much more favorable schedule because they had already navigated some of what Texas is playing now. And Mm -hmm. lo and behold, Texas, who at one point was in control of this conference, is now very much not and cannot be at all yeah like couldn't, into, like couldn't be more out of control right, of the regular season time right heading into a game head-to-head against kansas right which is not incredible because you could see a world in which this happened but definitely i was i was hoping that this game was going to mean something mm-hmm. and look you got to give kansas credit i have my concerns but they just won the Big 12 outright with a game to spare. Mm-hmm. That is, this is one of Bill Self's best coaching jobs, without question. 
And I wouldn't have an issue if you wanted to name him coach of the year. Wow, that's high praise from a from adoring. We don't <laughs> we don't we don't we don't make a habit of complimenting Kansas around here. Um, I do Oklahoma, my job objectively. Texas Texas Tech didn't win a game in the month of January, and the they they played they played all but one of the games they played in that stretch were inside the top twenty seven at Kemp Bomb. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, what? Like, what in the world are you supposed to do? Yeah, because their, res- their resume makes no sense if you if you take out the Big Twelve part of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Why in the world is this team in consideration for the NCAA tournament heading into the final weekend of the regular season? I know, right? <laughs> but then you go, oh well, they should be. <laughs> they beat Louisville seventy to thirty eight. That's when we knew there was something wrong with Louisville when Texas Tech beat them <laughs> seventy to thirty eight. Eleven field goals for the for 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 Louisville. In that That's game. tough. Eleven for the fighting Kenny Paynes. All right. Let's let anything else on the Big Twelve. Iowa State goes to Baylor. It's another team that could really use a win. Uh Caleb Grill no longer with the program. Bizarre. Important. And not what you want after really struggling here down the stretch. That's all I got. Yeah, that is um I'd love to know what he did. And that's the guy who came who left and came back with Otzelberger. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah, what did he do? They're yeah. just going with the the standard but violation also like of, not violation of team rules, but not not living up to the standards of the program or something is how they framed it. Otzelberger said, "We hold our players to high standards, and there are expectations that our student athletes are held accountable for." It's very PR of him. Mm-hmm. Good job, Otzelberger. Good job. Good job by you. <laughs> um, that's man, bit of a free fall there. Anyways, Big Twelve gauntlet, Tech, Kansas. You know, all the normal stuff. All the normal stuff. The Pac-12, the UCLA, with the quietest 25-4 and four of all time. The quietest 25-4 and four of all time. Of all time. It's because they play out there. They play at like 1 a.m. It's crazy. It's, crazy hey, it's the town. Conference of Champions. It's crazy town how that West Coast stuff works. Crazy town. Um, we're looking at it. Like, like, talk about the the brand of a conference. The brand of the Pac-12 is we're talking max four teams like that, like that, like that should be like I can PR brand for the Pac-12. <laughs> Listen, let's let's just, so it's Pac-12 and then in subtitle text, max four teams of the tournament. <laughs> That's what we're looking at right now. Um, you've got three teams that are squarely in in UCLA, USC, and Arizona. Arizona State is the big question here, and they're going to get chances. Yep. UCLA tonight, uh, tonight being March 2nd, Thursday, March 2nd, and then they're at USC on Saturday. So two wins, that two games that cannot hurt you if you, they, if you lose them and could, could very much help you stay in the tournament conversation. Um, but, but you probably need one of them. I mean, yeah, you can't lose the rest of the games that you play. Right, Yeah, and that's the problem that – and. Obviously, but I'm not. I wouldn't go all the way to that. They could, they could win two games in the Pac-12 tournament and still get in. Sure, it's possible. Yeah, to feel to feel good though, it's 
it's the reality of not necessarily doing your job on the easier part of your schedule, right? Because then all of a sudden you have Arizona, UCLA, and USC right here at the end. And we talked about this when we were doing the all oh, the panic meter mm-hmm. about this idea of look, they've got the opportunities left. They can play themselves in, but they got to win these some of these games. They're not going to win all of them, probably. They got off mm-hmm. to a good start thanks to that buzzer beater, and right. Now they go on the road to play the two LA schools. You come away with one of those, you're feeling pretty good. You lose both of them. Then you can't afford to have a bad Pac-12 tournament. Maybe you can still get away with it in terms of, you know, getting to the the semifinals or something like that and then losing to UCLA again, for example. But this is yeah, this is definitely the storyline is what does Arizona State do? And then also, UCLA is going to get their opportunity for their really good win. They get Arizona here mm. to close out the, the regular season. I sincerely hope they win that game just so that they can have that on their resume and we can stop talking about it. But, yeah, they are already won the conference. Now it's just about – I mean – and also giving yourself a shot to get on the one line, right? If they win that game, win the Pac-12 tournament, it's possible. It's not going to happen. It's possible. It's not going to happen, though. There are what too makes many... You... What makes you ever... so confident? I mean, so Houston's not going to lose the AAC. No, Houston's going to be a one, yeah. Alabama's not off the one. I would agree. I mean, and Kansas isn't off the one. No, unless something catastrophic happens. Mm-hmm. So, like, Purdue needs to lose immediately and lose on Sunday, or there's no way that UCLA is getting a one seed. Yeah, my my thought process was if, if Purdue loses one of these last two and then loses in the quarterfinals, semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. That's not you, enough. That's not enough. Maybe not. Purdue gets Purdue getting all the way to the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. Okay, maybe quarterfinals then. Let's Let's take a look. I mean... They probably need to lose three of their next four heading into the tournament for that to happen for UCLA. Maybe. We're talking about a 24 and five Big Ten team. We're talking about 24 and five regular season title team of a team that is sending 10 teams to the tournament, maybe, versus the team that is that is one game better and sending at the most four. Yeah. It's not gonna happen. I I generally agree. I'm just saying there's there's a chance if they run the table that maybe something falls their way. I I, I will concede there is a chance. <laughs> just trying to jump up way. some interest for the Pac-12 here. <laughs> You're doing the Lord's work. There's no interest <laughs> in the Pac-12. There's a reason that it's the quietest 25 and four of all time. Very true. They just they just play bad basketball teams over and not need to nobody's need not, not to not their fault. Number two, Kim Palm, like all of those all those fun things. I am excited to see this UCLA Arizona game. This is one of the ones I'm really looking but, forward to this weekend. Just to But you like you know, you flip it around, I tell you you know, the the whole Texas Tech didn't win a game in the entire month of January. Well, UCLA didn't lose in the month of February, and the best Kim Palm team they played was Oregon. <laughs> yeah yeah that's gonna hurt you a <laughs> little bit a little bit but they can very much they, they can very well run the table i just think there's too many there are too many things that would need to happen yes they would need a lot of help i would agree with that um all righty the pac-12 is boring 
that's what we've established here that the Pac-12 is is boring unless Bobby Hurley is involved, and that is a low, low bar, low bar. Hey, they're delivering the intrigue. I guess. <laughs> hey, remember when we were losing our minds that two guys with the same last name that happened to be blood related were winning a bunch of basketball games? That but, seems like a really long time ago. But you know what might happen if if Arizona State ends up in the first four or something. And then UConn starts bulldozing people. I could see a world in which it comes back in the NCAA tournament 100%. Brace yourself. It's so, it's so, it is easily the most obnoxious storyline <laughs> of the entire year. Easily. Bobby Hurley is a bad basketball coach. He just is. There's, there, there is no, like, there's nothing that ever happens at Arizona State that, that makes me think, you know what? You know what's, what's really happening at a high level is the, the, the way the Arizona State men's basketball program is being run. I mean, they did get to number one just, in the country. That counts for yeah, something. Like, I mean, in a year that they, like, lost 10 games in the Pac-12, right, in the Pac-12 after that happened. Yeah, well, it was it was great afterward. <laughs> I'm not actually arguing with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I can't remember what, like, because they were undefeated at one point, right? Beat what Kansas, didn't they? This year? No. Oh, year? oh, oh, no, 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 no. I was. Ta- I thought you were talking about the the season when they went to number one. So they were eleven and one. Yeah, because they had the loss to Texas Southern or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Eleven and one. They beat Michigan. I was about that. Then they beat Creighton without Ryan Cockburner. Good job. Well done by you. Good job, buddy. At least I assume it was out with, without Ryan Cockburner. It was. Um, anywho. Anywho. Good job by you, Bobby Hurley. Here we are. Death taxes and you needing a strong end to the regular season to <laughs> make the tournament as a 20 and 9 power 5 conference team. That's that's fine. Good job by you, buddy. SEC. Another conference with a lot of teams firmly in the field of 68. And not a ton of teams that fit the bill of super duper intrigued by what might happen to them in the last four days of the regular season. Let me pull up the SEC's conference standing. So you've got four teams kind of, you know, inside the top 25 right now in Alabama, Texas A&M, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Missouri firmly into the tournament as well. That is five. Auburn firmly into the tournament. Oh, they're doing their best to put themselves onto the bubble here. Yeah, you know. (laughs) That is six, though. I think at this point, I think as of right now, we can say that they are firmly into the tournament. (laughs) That is six. You had the Arkansas Razorbacks as well. That is seven. And then we have a conversation kind of here, mainly with the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bama surges back to beat Auburn in overtime to clinch. And that was another weird one because they've got this game at Texas A&M left. So either Mm -hmm. they had to beat Auburn and make sure that they weren't playing for an outright big or SEC conference title, or they had to win the last game. There was no kind of in between. They couldn't get any help. They had to do it themselves one way or the other. And they took Mm -hmm. ultimately took care of business against Auburn. You got, this jumbled mess of teams between 10 and seven and eight, and nine in conference after your top four, Kentucky, Tennessee, both 11 and six after Vanderbilt gets another good win. Very quietly. Jerry Stackhouse is a good coach. I'll keep saying it. They're getting better. They host Mississippi state, the bubble team to end the season, uh, crushed for Sakai Ziegler, 
We should probably talk about that for a second. Just awful news right at the end of the season. You don't have any time to even adjust for it if you're Rick Barnes. And, you know, it happens to a team that a lot of people were already picking to have an early exit. And now you lost arguably your best player. I cannot wait to pick Tennessee in the first round of the the NCAA tournament. I cannot wait. There's just no way on God's green earth they're losing to whatever 13 seed they play. It's just not going to happen. It's too easy. The two easy ones almost never like Mm -hmm. like Marquette and Murray State is the one that comes to my mind when I think of the easiest five twelves because that was the that was the John Morant year and a Marquette team that wasn't great defensively and. Right, that was a Marcus like, Howard it, team. It was a Marcus Howard yeah. team, and so yeah. you just kind of knew Jaw was going to run all over them. And it was like 25, 10, and 5, and they were running past Marquette. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever Tennessee plays, and I, you know, it, 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 it's, I feel even less confident in the team most likely to get upset in the first round, in the first week, maybe not the first weekend anymore, but certainly the first round. Tennessee is absolutely beating whoever they play in the, in the, in the round of 68. I agree. No, 64. I agree. Thousand percent. And, yeah, really, really tough for for Zakaisi. And they go to Auburn, who could really use that win to just make sure things don't get too dicey here. Yeah, Alabama, Texas A&M, Kentucky, and Arkansas. That's an interesting one in terms of just kind of what are these teams looking like? You know, Arkansas could use some wins. We talked about this. We're both on board. We got spots on the bus bus. It, it would help to have another W, though. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> So let's yeah, just not, go on a run. Let's just go on a run. Just win the conference tournament so we can get as close to the number one seed as possible. Yeah. Although, would you rather be the sixth than the five? I think you might, if you're Arkansas. Oh, 100%. Right? Oh, yeah. You want to try and avoid that one seed at all costs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'll so, take your like, shot to get so, to so, two so, seed. So never mind. Never mind. Like, win the appropriate amount of games <laughs> to say it's six seed. Never mind. Right, never right. mind. I don't want you to go on a run. I need you not having to play Kansas in the, first, in the, in the second round. That, or sorry, the, the I guess it would have been the the third round, the Sweet Sixteen. I don't need that. <laughs> let's play. Let's play Kansas State or something. Now the now the opposite to that to that is if you want chaos and you want one seeds falling, then you need fours and fives that are capable of knocking them off. Yeah. Okay. Fair. What are the four and fives right now? Hold on a second. Let's look. This is little Nardi's bracket. Just for the record, the fours. TCU is a five. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. There we go. There's Houston one. and TCU. Are you getting me? In Kansas City, let's do it. I'm locked in on that. Um, San Diego State, Indiana. Indiana is an interesting one. Yep. Xavier is also a an interesting seed. one. Miami. I couldn't be less interested in that. Sorry. Yeah, it's not as respect. interesting. Um, St. Mary's. Uh, Virginia and UConn are the four UConn. seeds in the East and West. UConn, UConn like is a team that one. could do some damage. I would love UConn on the four or five line. The six lines are strong. Here are the six lines. You ready for this? Creighton. Oh, yeah. Kentucky. Okay. And then Arkansas is at eight. Never mind. So we do need to win. Arkansas is an eight. Yeah, they could they could use something. Yeah, okay, we, and we yeah. need to get to the seven. Because yeah, if you get to the seven in the east, you're playing Kansas State in the second round, and that we can work with. And you get Purdue as your one seed, that we can work with. We can work with that. 
We can we can work. Are you kidding me? Nick Smith against those freshman guards? Are you kidding me? That's like a 37 bomb waiting to happen. RC4 doing the thing. God, I love the NCAA tournament. I cannot wait. I you're absolutely getting, cannot wait. You're getting excited about hypothetical brackets. Literally. Like Toledo versus Gonzaga. I'm locked in on that. Why? Because I can be. <laughs> Because the winner goes home during um, the toothpaste plays Marquette, the 314. Colgate. I gotcha. Yeah, just maybe for the masses. Maybe <laughs> for the masses. Okay. I'm out. You, I, I see anything else on the SEC? Sorry, I got way off base here. <laughs> No, I think we covered most of it. Again, it's trying to sort out kind of the middle of this conference, right? You know who your conference champion is. You got some some work to do between Kentucky and Tennessee, how that shakes out. And some interesting games. I do like this late in terms of particularly the Alabama, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn games. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Anything else on the weekend as we as we head into it? I have something about today, Thursday. Oh, boy. What do you have about today, Thursday? History could be made today. Do you know what could happen? Is it a women's hoops thing? No. I was going to guess something to the effect of, like, Caitlin Clark's <laughs> single-season points record, something to that effect. That was the first thing that came to mind. It's always a, um, it's a good thought. Um, Is it a hoops thing? Yeah. Is it college hoops? Yeah. I don't know, Josh. Should I know? Is this like a widely I, talked about thing? I kind of feel like you're going to be disappointed. You don't know that this could happen today. What, is Syracuse going to become the first under 500 <laughs> team to make the tournament? They're going to be granted an automatic spot today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know, dude. Tell me. All right. Antoine Davis is going to play. They have Youngstown oh. State. They have Youngstown State in the Horizon League tournament. Following his 38.8 rebound, 8 assist performance. Obviously. <laughs> he has. Wait, so I ob- was close. There's some sort of points record going on here. Oh. I was so oh, yeah. close. Are we talking all-time leading scorer? Yeah. <sighs> I'm trying to find. Yeah, it's 20. He needs 20. Six points. Oh, we're locked in on that. To to overtake. Is it to break? Yes. I don't know, Josh. You're the, one, you're the one teaching the history lesson. Stop asking me the questions. <laughs> I'm trying to. Yes. 26 more points. To, yes. To become the all-time leading scorer in men's college basketball history. Man, I'm so locked in on that. Right? Is that here? That's got to be here. Uh, stand by. The Horizon League tournament, I'm pretty sure, is played at the Coliseum. Uh, no, it is in Youngstown, Ohio. Oh, Youngstown? Oh, I think it's, I think, is it still home court? Oh, is it courts? a home game? Yeah. Is it a home court game? Where yes, is the, still no, home court. It's still definitely, because I've definitely, because our, our buddy and bracketologist Luke Sarkins is going to the, is going to Horizon League tournament action here in I think I think maybe it's the semifinals and finals. If, yeah, it's here. probably the final. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. How far? How long does it take to get to Youngstown, Ohio? <laughs> I say that like I don't have to work today. Youngstown, Ohio to Indianapolis. 
How long would it take me to get there? Five hours too far. <laughs> oh my gosh, Youngstown is so far north. Yeah, it's Youngstown pretty north. Is basically, mm-hmm. Youngstown is basically Pittsburgh. Yeah. Might as well mm-hmm. be. Oh, you know that Pittsburgh and Morgantown, West Virginia are like like a, a, like a stone's throw apart? I had no idea. Yeah, they're, just like right, they're just like right on the other side of the like yeah. that that West Virginia Pennsylvania state mm-hmm. line. It's just right there. Yeah, I had no idea. The things you <laughs> the learn you know. from Indianapolis to Washington D.C. The things you learn. The things you learn. <laughs> All right. At this point, we're we're one thousand percent talking in circles. You got anything else? No, that was my that was my big thing. I saw I saw a tweet about so it would give him thirty. Sorry, three thousand six hundred sixty-seven. No, 3,668 points because Mervich had 3,667. It stood since gotcha. 1970. I saw another – I saw a tweet that was saying something about – so right, so he needs 26 to break the record and it was uh-huh. something like 2,000 – I don't remember what the number was, but 2,700 points to <laughs> to break Bristol uh, Pete, Pete Mervich's average. <laughs> That's horrible. To, to put those two things in perspective in terms of how yeah. quickly – Pete Maravich accumulated those numbers, but yes. So something to watch for today. History could be made. Shout out to Antoine Davis. Did you see what happened to between Kentucky and Florida in the SEC women's tournament? I saw that there were, what was it? Eight ejections. Eight. The game was delayed for 20 minutes. These teams are combined 26 and 31 on the season. Kentucky went 2 and 14 in SEC play. Like, just go home. It's like, can we just go home? Like, like, like what are we fighting about? Come on. I just saw it happen. I haven't seen the video or anything. Yo, she sprinted across the floor. Anyways, okay, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. That was the last thing I had about the SEC. That was the last Welcome thing. to March. Right. Welcome to March. Gosh, I cannot. We're here. We're here. All righty. His name is Josh Doring. My name is Josh Molly. Have you ever noticed that? We never we never say last names ever. Yeah, I guess you're right. So I am Josh Molly. That is Josh Doring. <laughs> and thank you for listening to this edition of the J Street Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your pods. Twitter, YouTube, all of those fun things. And we'll be back on Monday. I, it, I believe the plan right now is one podcast next week to preview the conference tournaments. On Monday, we'll do conference tournament previews, all of those those fun things. We'll pick winners. We'll have storylines, all of that fun stuff that you do before conference tournament action. And then the next Monday, we'll talk Selection Sunday, all of that fun stuff. So... Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you on Monday for conference tournament preview stuff. And we'll meet you then. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jace for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later.